welcome to The The Get Together! (laughs) It's our show about the nuts and bolts of community building. I am your host, Bailey Richardson. I'm a partner at People & Company. Oh, I'm Kevin Huynh. I'm also a partner at People & Company. I'm Kai Soto. I am a partner that's usually sitting in Singapore but I'm now in New York City. In the guts of Manhattan. Each episode of this podcast, we interview ordinary people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to thousands more members? Today, we're interviewing ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's a special episode. Kevin, tell me, what is this episode? What are we doing here? What's special about today, one, today our our book is available for pre-order. Yes. And we're going to talk a little bit about the history and the origin of that. Um, So that's very exciting. In addition to that, today we're recording at Canal Street Market. So Listening Party promotes different podcasters and is elevating different voices. Uh, They're presenting this episode of this podcast with us, and we're recording with them at Canal Street Market. So we're in this killer setup. There's like disco ball vibes. There's real (laughs) microphones. We're in like a fishbowl type setup. People are walking by. There's you, fashion and there's boba fashion. tea all if, around us. If you us. haven't checked out Canal Street Market, get your get your Asian food yummies as well as various market goods here um, and come check it out in New York City. Great. Thanks, Kev, for the sweet intro. Mm. We're in the guts of Manhattan and we're here to talk about people and company, why we exist, and this book that we made, because we figured we might want to share that with some of you guys before we get to like episode 35 in our podcast. So, Kai. Hello. Hello. Not from Singapore. Here here in in New York City. Feeling fresh. Canals, not jet lag. Not jet lag, Mm -hmm. finally. Fresh, fresh brained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kai, you and I years ago met working at different companies. You were at Facebook, I was at Instagram. And we had like a full, probably two years of friendship, maybe more. And then all of a sudden, we decided we should start a company. Mm -hmm. We made like a terrible website. So glad Kevin's on our team now, he's the best designer. (laughs) (laughs) We made a terrible website. It was organic. Yes, we like named ourselves Urchin. We were like Uni Uni. was our thing. Mm, But the question I wanna ask you is, why did we start People and Company? Do you remember like how we got that? What was the motivation? <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Well, I, I remember where we, where we were yeah. when we made the decision. But before that, like you said, we started traveling together. Mm. And it comes down to you saying yes to me asking you like, yo, want to go for a surf in Bali? Yes or yes. There's yes only one yes. answer to that question. <laughs> and um we just got to travel together and spend a lot of time together on buses and cars going to Batukaras, eight-hour drive. Oh, yeah. And we ended up working first not on people and company, but a project that has been so meaningful to us. Uh, you and I, Bree and Garrett and Chris, and we assembled a few folks together to tell a story of a man that you and I care a ton about and admire. Mm. Uh, but out of that, I think you and I saw the magic of not only working together, working with a few people that we really like together, but working on things that you and I care a ton about. Yeah. And so that's when we started looking at people. It wasn't like we said, oh, we're going to do a company where we're going to hopefully teach a few people about how to build a community we simply looked at oh there are all these dope people yeah ordinary people doing extraordinary things by bringing people together 
And uh, you and I were in London. Yeah. Uh, we were there visiting our friend Craig, who was making a TV show at the time. Craig is our coolest friend. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, cool. Craig, it's official. Hun- you're our coolest friend. Hun- hunky <laughs> C- Craig. Sorry, Kev. He's a great surfer. What? Number two. <laughs> what? Yeah, we just kind of looked at each other going, I think this is something that we want to do. And we're really fortunate enough to, you know, we were in an industry where there were no shortages of, at that time, offers and opportunities for us. And we just looked at each other and said, I think this is what we want to do. We want to create something for others as opposed to just going to join another tech startup company. Yeah. Well, Kevin and I, we met in New York City. Yes. I was working at IDEO at the time. I was a resident there working on community for IDEO, kind of like a test ground. And once you get to know Kevin, you realize he's so wonderful, so fun, and so smart that everybody just wants to hang out with him all the time. Mm -hmm. So at IDEO, they just invited you to come sit there. And we met eating a sandwich together Yes, because everyone at IDEO was like, you guys need to know each other. Yeah, you both like community. You need to talk to each other. Yeah, we sized each other up, liked you. But I think Kevin and I realized pretty quickly that your experience at Creative Mornings, Mm -hmm. even though it's a physical community and Instagram was very digital, there were a lot of overlaps in the work that we had done. But as, you know, a group of three, you're sort of more of an outlier. Kevin and I have a lot of similarities in terms of that background, Mm -hmm. foundational experience. Mm -hmm. So what was interesting to you about working on community or working with us on that like why why did you decide to do this you really could have done whatever you wanted after your work experience so why you hang with us <laughs> because you're fun you're fun <laughs> kev's a great dancer so he's like trying to give no decided to not like get groove. the shout out there bailey's an interesting <laughs> dancer <so. laughs> i came into this skeptically I did have a history of working on building products through community, which was at eBay. Yeah. But that was also still kind of quant-driven. Like, we were counting the number of sellers that turned into power sellers. And you and I kind of sitting there, and you recounting stories from your Instagram days. Then I had a chance to go to an Instameet when I was working at Instagram, and the magic was palpable and it's undeniable that Instagram was the fastest growing business and app at the time. So tried to park my skepticism aside and try to really understand, you know, the structure. I said, I'm a super fan of both bullet points and uh, Richard Feynman. I just did not understand because I started using the word community, didn't quite understand it. So I wanted to break it down to a point where I would be able to explain to my daughters, Bella and Kyla, what it is that we were kind of pulling on the thread. And you said Richard Feynman because I love this insight that you share. Can you just explain the Richard Feynman yeah. piece you just mentioned? Yeah. So he is a Nobel Peace Prize winning physicist. And his nickname is The Great Explainer. He has this beautiful ability to be able to explain the most complex scientific concepts to its most basic form. If you have not heard him explain how fire is created, you should just YouTube and Google it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to understand the mechanics of community. But ultimately, it was just like, I just really liked hanging out with the two of you. Um, And just watching the people that you surround yourselves with. And I just became really curious. So it became both a personal journey, but also intellectually, I was so curious to unpack what 
is seemingly so magical. But once I understood what Kev did with his friends and team over at Creative Mornings, right? Once I understood what you and Josh over at Instagram did, like what I learned is that, you know, communities feel really magical, but there's so much work that goes behind the scenes to be able to even have a chance to form a community. So I wanted to understand those mechanics. And that has been my background my entire career, uh, which is taking these crazy complex concepts and breaking them down to really simple form so other people can understand them. Yeah. Kevin mentioned this at the very beginning of the podcast, but today we're holding an advanced copy of our book in our hands. And it's pre-order day. A real rectangular object. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think any of us thought we would be on Amazon, like selling a book when we first started this company. I mean, that wasn't something that we set out to do. And today we're, our faces are up there. It's like a look ma moment. Like we're authors. Um, But Kev, how did we end up writing a book? Tell me about how we got there. Uh, I think the real story is when we started People and Company, we had this aspiration to help our organizations build authentic communities, help guide them, help coach them, help them understand what it would take for them to do so, help them develop strategies to do so. And we realized one of the first things we had to do was give them the language to talk about this. And so I think with every single company we work with, we started doing this community building 101 kickoff. And we would walk them through our, um, our framework for how communities um, start and gain steam and eventually grow and evolve. And through that and through all these iterations of that framework and of the inspiration that we would present and all the language we kind of tested, there was an aspiration to, yeah, we should write this down. And first it was like, we should make a zine. You know, this is, it's a three-step process. Maybe it's a nine-page zine. And I think 80% of the time spent on this now book we perceived that it would become a zine. Yeah, yeah. I remember the day we... That we, was the end We point. changed, like, the names of the folders from, like, zine yes. to book. And it was late. I mean, this is... if This was a... We had a Slack channel yeah. called Zine. It's like yeah. 15 months of working on this zine. It's like, maybe we should start calling it a book. <laughs> and we, we actually, before we went to the book, the turning point was when we started calling it a manuscript. It's like, mm. we have a manuscript. Mm. It's yeah. like, what do manuscripts turn into? Yeah. A book. Yeah, <laughs> a book. Through our projects with different organizations, in addition to this framework that we had iterated on that was communicating effectively and simply what communities are, we ran across so many amazing community stories. And I really feel like without those projects, we wouldn't have gotten all of these relationships and inspiration from different places, from communities of caregivers to communities of runners to communities of teachers. Um, I think through each of our kind of project experiences, uh, we learned of more, as Kai said, sort of like ordinary people who started extraordinary communities. As this project to write something became more real, it became so important to me because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I care about, you know, helping people get people together. And what better way to do so than to try to work on an artifact that captures what it really takes, both some of that like uh, brainy stuff to break it down, as well as like inspiring stories to tell you why to do it Um, and putting those things together inside a resource that we could share with others and both clients, but then also like anybody, you know, the, the, the Kevin 10 years ago, Mm. 
sitting somewhere thinking that, you know, he doesn't see a community that really resonates with him. Could we provide something that would spark more people to start communities of their own? Yeah. I read once that there's two types of knowledge. There's practical knowledge and technical Mm -hmm. knowledge. Say we're thinking about teaching someone to cook a recipe. Technical knowledge is information that you can document. So it's like the written recipe on the internet Mm -hmm. or in a book. It's passable information. And practical knowledge is much more about the experience of doing something, the subtlety of it. So what it feels like to actually hold the knife or smell the meat and the experience you get from doing. And that insight is really the foundation of our book. That's how we've tried to write it, to incorporate both of those things, which I think you know, given your Kai's experience or his passion for bullet points, his passion for brevity, Kevin, your capacity for precision, and then my like insane ingredient gathering, like research storytelling side. I would say your love for humans as well. I don't, I don't know another person who like falls in love with a human being and what they bring to the world as quickly and deeply as you do. I'm the care bear up in here. I was just like, but it's like each day, whenever we meet another, it's like, Oh my gosh. And then you, you know, you stock them into your brain of like humans you love and what they do. And then you can recite that back. Well, let's, let's get into it then. You know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is what is one of like the most memorable moments from writing this book? And it might be someone we met or it might be part of the experience. Kai, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I have a unique perspective on all of this because I'm sitting in Singapore or on a plane somewhere as you two kind of was churning out a ton of the stories and the words. And so I'll get to read it a week later and be able to offer some thoughts on it. A lot of the photos in the book are your photographs, which I'm sure you'll get to. But that to me is so rad that we have those and... I'll let you keep going. Yeah. But just, it's such an uh, important part. I, I will interrupt. Part. But I think it's such an important part. It gets back to like, what does someone need to get themselves to start a community? I think part of it is like a belief that they understand how to do it and then sort of the motivation to do it. And what better motivation? You have to like communicate what it feels like yeah. to be there, what it feels like to be one of these community leaders or a community member. And you need media um, in order to do that effectively. A photo to transport you. And yes. if you have the book, you'll see how much they add, but you keep going. Yes. Yeah. Definitely one of the highlights is um, taking the photographs and creating those images for two reasons. Uh, first is I had to wait to see how the book forms to be able to then visualize the stories that we want to tell. And in a lot of ways, that's how I digest information is highly visual. And so once I started reading the words, it was no longer just simply a guidebook of how to do something, but the soul started coming in. Mm -hmm. That's when I was able to then say, hey, guys, I now know how I'm going to capture these uh, these people and these uh, these experiences. But the second thing is uh, it was a chance for me to really get to know these community leaders who we've uh, certainly learned a ton from, contributed to the book generously, and have always also inspired us. And we hope that other people will be inspired by them and combining both, you know, their words, your words, our words, and the images are going to be there. And that 
allowed me to meet Lola Omolola. She's uh, you went to her house in Chicago and met yep. her kids and in the just earlier today she, you guys have like you're like FaceTiming in the her. office with uh-huh. each other. Yeah, but she's an amazing woman. Do you want to share a little bit about her and your experience? Yeah, so you introduced me to her. She's on our podcast. If you want to hear some yeah. crazy heart-wrenching and heartwarming stories you know she freely shared it with us and so i flew into chicago dead of winter yeah and uh we had a few venues to meet but she generously just opened her door and just like yo why don't you just come over and i did uh before her kids came home from school and we had this time and what was supposed to be an hour you know to chat I end up hanging out all afternoon until her kids came home. Mm. And um, I just understood now so deeply after spending time with Lola that she's been celebrated, right? You know, she's got 1.8 million people in, you know, in her community. And in her private Facebook group, 1.8 million people just to underscore yeah, that. Yeah. It'll be hard to go to Nigeria and find someone who does not know her name yeah. uh, or not even just Nigeria, but to sit down and then really understand that this is a person who is both ordinary and what makes her extraordinary is she just cares a ton about others and then seeing her the amount of i'll use the word sacrifice not loosely like it is deeply truly a sacrifice right she is there she could easily do anything else but this is what she chooses to do and her kids and her husband and her family members like all have to share lola with everyone else and they also do that quite generously and freely so it took from you know voices in a podcast words in a book you know going to events and sitting there and getting a peek behind the curtain if you will and seeing a human being who sits there and it starts with a caring she cares a ton and b she just went and did it it's not like she sat there and said i am going to create a community of 1.8 million nigerian women around the world and it's going to be this and you know i'm going to be invited to a facebook you know kind of company event and she just started with one step which is a i cared and then the next step is like okay i'm just gonna open it up and gather a few people and just say hey i am here and that's where it started and so that'll sit with me forever and you know certainly has informed the next stage of my life and it's not that I just was inspired it's like I was both inspired and I just now understand what it takes yeah and just to do a little summary of of Lola really fast she's a Nigerian woman who moved to the United States and there was a kidnapping of tons of young girls in Nigeria it was Boko Haram at the time and she opened up a Facebook group just trying to talk to other Nigerian women about what was going on because she felt so strongly that it, this wasn't about terrorism. It was about how women see themselves in Nigeria and how men see women in Nigeria. And it turned out so many Nigerian women felt like they didn't have someone else to talk to about hard things they had been through as a woman in Nigeria. So she started this group on Facebook, Female in Nigeria, and it exploded almost immediately. And she's in our book in the section about online watering holes is what we call them. So what you can do with a digital space to connect your members directly to each other so they can have conversations separate of you. But yeah, today, you know, you guys happen to like talk to each other on the phone and we got to wave to Lola on a FaceTime 
And she said to us that meeting us this last year was one of the most meaningful things that happened to her all year. And that is like extremely powerful to me, like, because I really look up to her. What she's doing is really, really powerful. I, I won't go too deep into it. You should listen to the podcast, but she's really special. So, yeah. She th- is. Kev, Love what, you, Lola. Yeah, we do. I hope you're, I hope you're out there and we're giving you a virtual hug. Kev, what about you? What was, a, what was like a meaningful moment from Ooh. working on the book? Getting to share the stories of organizations that I've cared about a lot personally and worked with, community organizations, was, was something really special. One with Creative Mornings that I helped them scale up to 100 cities. And then being able to, and I, I left that organization in 2015, and being able to come back and interview the team there and sort of what they're doing now to shout out to Kyle and Lisa also on the podcast. You can hear that. Yeah. To talk to them about how they are empowering, you know, leaders to organize the, the world's largest like in-person creative community Um, over 200 cities now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of reflection and, and that um, the book was almost this prompt to boil down like, uh, what did I really learn from that experience and how what has that team learned since I was there was special. And as well as I'm on the board of a, an education nonprofit called EdCamp, uh, which is a teachers organize events where teachers teach other teachers all around the world. I don't know. I just think they're one of these best kept secrets and they shouldn't be within education. They, they, they gather tens of thousands of teachers every single year. It's like every state in the U.S. has had yeah, one. Yeah, every state in the U.S. I don't know, 30, 40, 50 countries like... It's it, like the secret. Yeah. It, it is a secret. It, it's insane. It's though. absolutely amazing. So to, to do my part to help share their story and hopefully inspire other educators that see that and want to get involved uh, was special for me. It's like taking something that I have identified as special for so long, like I see it and to be able to spotlight that was really cool. Our book is broken up into three parts. So mm-hmm. it sparked the flame, which is like just getting together for the first time. And then uh, Stoke the Fire, which is about sticking together as you grow bigger. And the final part of the book is about passing the torch to leaders. Pass the torch. Which is something that, you know, you really got your first experience with in college, organizing events at Cal with a big staff of people. But it's been something that you've been doing with an engineering mindset your whole life. And EdCamp and both Creative Mornings show up in that final chapter where we really try our best to explain how those two communities and other communities have worked to empower distributed leadership like all around the world so that they can do so much more than they ever could alone. So just wanted to make sure to put a pin in that if you're thinking about buying the book, basically Kevin gives up all his secrets (laughs) in the end of the book. And I mean, it's amazing what you've worked on. So just pin in that, but you keep going. You've talked about the other stuff. The moment where I felt like the book was becoming a book I, if I could, if I could teleport back, I would tell myself to trust the process because I do remember the feeling of writing these chapters or potential chapters and like writing and writing and feeling like it was disjointed and the points they overlapped and it just didn't feel like a book. It felt like a collection of disparate essays. And at some point, I think it wasn't when we first put the whole manuscript together, but I think maybe that first or second iteration, maybe right when we started working with an editor, I just remember reading it all the way through. And the, the experience was like kneading dough. You like mix all this stuff in a bowl and it just feels like a bunch of different stuff in a bowl for a while. And then you keep like working it and working it. All of a sudden it comes together. It gets together and <laughs> and it feels like dough. And you're like, holy, you know, this is, 
and I won't pretend it's like the best written book ever, but it really did start to feel like a cohesive um, message and story and points that worked with each other were coming about. And I just, I don't know, I felt so proud. And I looked back at my, like the other moments of sort of darkness, like, will this ever come to be and realize, wow, if you apply enough pressure to something over a period of time and you bring mm. in the right collaborators, it'll come together. That was also the moment when it was always kind of like Christmas in the morning, my morning, you know, because, you know, I'm in Singapore, our time zones are exactly 12 hours apart, and I'll open up, you know, my inbox, and there'll be a new version there. And I remember that moment where things did come together. One of the things that I really appreciate about our team is the fact that Kev is a mechanical engineer, that is your training. In fact, that's in a lot of ways, that is the way you attack a lot of your intellectual problems. But how many mechanical engineers do you know would actually be stoked about getting people together? You kind of have this beautiful mix of uh, like this artist and um, this scientist. Left brain, right brain. You got them both. Hmm. You need another and side. You center, need a- center brain. <laughs> Which scientifically, <laughs> brain. Uh, there is no proof left. that there's such a thing as left brain and right brain. Oh, well, thank God That's we a, have a skeptic here. Yeah. I'm yeah. full of brain, the down brain. And, and I actually had this experience of meeting someone else that kind of had that similar brain. And they applied it to surfing, which is Rue Hill out mm. in Surf Simply. And for someone who does not live by the ocean, has never been, you know, surfing does feel really magical, but I just could not make it work. And I needed someone to help me just not take the magic away, uh, but also tell me how it's done. When we were able to put it down into an order of operations, right? Give me the one, two, three of it. Again, super fan of bullet list, right? Mm. Give me like, you know, first, like spark, stoke, pass a torch. Because I had the same experience when we were working on Facebook. We were trying to grow it, and we can no longer just rely on intuition and marketing. And that's where the growth discipline came up. And we broke it down to, you know, like step one, acquire, step two, you know. And applying that similar framework and model, and it wasn't that we broke it down into these steps. It was just that there was a moment where we wrote a shorter letter. Right? We took the time to write a shorter letter. We had this long letter and then we were able to distill it down. And then the stories came in about these you know, beautiful community leaders. And those two combined, I personally think, is what makes the book special. Mm. Bailey, tell us about I guess, what sticks out to you from the experience of writing this book. Well, I mean, I guess it's the same thing as you, which is basically just process and people. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like a, there's a lot of stories in the world about people writing books and they're just like alone and it's torturous and like horrific and miserable. And damn, I loved writing this book. Like, I mean, especially in the later stages of it, it was just fun. And we like took our two brains and made like one brain, basically. <laughs> you know, Kevin and I did most of the writing and really like, fused our minds in creating this book and um, that's very special to me and I think community is a sufficiently abstract term it's like mindfulness it means something personal to everyone but really nailing it down seems hard sometimes and um, I grew up in a family with a pilot and an engineer I spent a lot of time working in tech where I had a lot of software engineers around me and folks that uh, approach sort of their work very analytically or it was like quite technical work 
And writing this book, given that my discipline has been more in the storytelling space or in this community space, which has been reasonably amorphous to most people, writing this book has given me so much power in my work because every word in our book, you and I went over and we were like, are we 100% sure we stand behind this? Are we 100% sure? Because it's going to get printed yeah. in at least 20,000 <laughs> copies. Yeah. And we're going to have to stand up on stage or sit in a podcast or whatever and defend it. To get to the point with especially a creative or somewhat undefined, less technical discipline where you have put yourself through that ringer of clarity is so empowering. And like, I know, I know what I know now. It was really actually fun doing that. And then the power of creating such clarity in something that you're working on. Hell yeah. Yeah. So that, but then on the people side, this book when I hold it, I feel like I'm holding, you know, the souls of like, <laughs> of like 30 to 40 people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people, like I wrote these emails, reaching out to them, you know, kind of like with my fingers crossed, like, oh God, I, these people are people I look up to. Mm-hmm. I've, I've read their stories mm-hmm. four years ago in NPR or whatever. And I had this big catalog of articles and people that I was like, man, I love what they're doing. And this book was like an excuse for me to reach out to Little Free Library, the people who have little libraries all around the world, 80,000 of them, or 80,000 stewards, more than that, libraries, like to reach out to Nobu from Choir, 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 who's now become a friend. Like Choir, Choir, Choir is one of the most power, if you haven't seen their videos, check them out online. Thousands of people show up to sing a song together and they do it now, they've done every week almost for 10 years. But seeing them sing with Rufus Wainwright on stage, like I saw that, I ran across that video on the internet and it, it almost made me cry to reach out to him and him to be willing to give us his time and be interviewed for this book and the podcast. I mean, like just, I'm going to list a few because I love shouting out. And also David uh, Novi's yes, partner. Up David Novi's partner. I, I was able to be up on stage with them in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, and yeah. I was capturing moments and being that close to David and watching his musical genius. Like, yeah, just, like, dude is smart. Smart and soulful and, you know, his ability to just connect with people through yeah. not, not his music, but his ability to bring people along with his music. That was really special yeah you guys have to check them out like i just want to shout out a few other people in the book because yolo we got to interview world aeropress championship which is very close in many ways like distributed community to ed camp and creative mornings but tim williams the ceo there has like a similar brain to kevin and i heard about them on npr years ago we got to talk to the rose city riveters which is in Portland. It's like the fan community that supports the women's soccer team there, which if you pay attention to women's sports, the Portland Thorns, they have far more people attending their games every week or however often they are at home than any other team, like for any other women's soccer team in the world. And I think the Thorns are a big reason behind that. So we got to the talk riveters, to them. Sorry, yeah, the Riveters, Rose City Riveters, the, the, the fan club. Um, we got to talk to Gavin Preter-Penny, who started mm-hmm. the Cloud Appreciation Society, which I read this amazing article about in New York Times Magazine like years ago. We got to talk to the friggin' Instant Pot CEO, yes. Robert Wang. I've looked up to that company for such a long time. Mia Qualiarello, who was the first YouTube community manager. Like the list goes on and on and on. But with each of those people, when I sent an email, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I hope these people write me back. And, like everyone did and gave us their time. And now their stories are like inside this book. These people to me are people that, when I was doing this work at Instagram, 
I was looking for other people who built communities who were, who had gone through what we were going through. And all I could find was like one HBR article about like Harley Davidson in the nineties or like everyone want to talk about CrossFit. And I like had to just like find all these little tiny examples of like one article about one thing. And I really hope that part of the outcome of this book is that some of these stories will be known by more people and more stories. People will continue to share more and more and, that's sort of what we're trying to do with the podcast too. But I just think these people are just, you know, they built extraordinary things and to be able to be stewards of their stories is very meaningful yes. for me. One of the questions I get a lot when I talk to people about writing a book is um, how did you get a publisher? Yeah. Or what does it mean for you to work with a publisher and what is that like? And I think our publisher is a little different and awesome. And I do clearly remember a meeting where I was like, anti-working with a publisher yeah, yeah, yeah. i was i did not want to ask for permission to get our book out into the world i was like no one's gonna stop me i'm gonna keep going on like if need be self-publishing train whatever we print 50 copies 500 copies 1000 copies we get them out there and i remember bailey you um sort of speaking up for our team if the real thesis of our book is that you build communities with people then we need to explore what it would mean to build this book with others to find better collaborators. Bailey, can you tell us a bit about how the publisher came to be and what that means for this project? Yeah, absolutely. We had been working on this book, as you said, for a year and a half or two years, like thinking it would be a zine, toiling on it in between our client projects. And at some point it became a manuscript. It became a significant amount of work and like a significant document. And at that moment in time, I think we shared it with a few people and a number of folks were like, have you thought about getting this published? And I think that that feedback made us say, well, let's explore this. Let's look into it. And I think just to validate your concerns, Kev, that you just voiced, one of the things we learned very early is that it can take like a year and a half, say like minimum a year with a traditional publishing house to get a book out into the world. It's almost like movies. You know, they're planning lineups, they're planning shelf slots. And as a three-person company, very agile we couldn't even imagine, you know, waiting a year and a half to get the book yeah. out. Um, we had been already working on it for two years. And I think that was a real stress point for us. And so we started kind of talking to publishing houses and realizing that that would be the timeline. We had a number of phone calls where we, you know, were sort of like hypothetically, like, should we do this? Should we not? Should we do this? Should we not? And around that time, um, a friend of mine, Allison Schumer, told me, you should talk to Brianna Wolfson. And I had met Brianna before because she wrote her own book through Random House, a fiction book. I had actually interviewed her about that. But Brianna had both published her own book and made her own decisions to go through the publishing route. And she'd also had this very unique experience of starting a press imprint at Stripe, which is a payments company. So they publish a very small number of books. They're a commerce platform company. Yeah, there we go. Okay, correct. Thank Bigger you. than payments. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, and Brie had gone through the whole process of figuring out a printer, figuring out every single step of how to launch a press imprint. And so I sat down with Brie mostly just because I wanted her advice on what we should do. We had this meeting in a hotel in Manhattan. She happened to be in town. I went into the meeting just trying to get her instincts about what would make sense for us, given, you know, our criteria of what we wanted to do. And the meeting ended with Bree saying to me, do you think Stripe would want to publish your book? And to be totally honest, I thought they wouldn't. Uh, given their, their other books, they were pretty technical. And I just offered, hey, you know, I'll, I'll send you the manuscript. 
and they eventually Patrick the CEO read it a couple people read it and they decided to offer us a deal and it has been the perfect situation for us because we're getting this book out very quickly the design is amazing we got such first hand time you got to spend so much time with Tyler the designer but we ended up with this very special press all the things we basically were concerned about if every other publisher was going left they were going right we started with a Google document and a manuscript, and we're now we're making this beautiful hardcover book with color photography, with every single page being checked and like getting to have conversations about the fonts and also getting to reimagine how we market the book. Like this is not, you know, a lot of book in the box, traditional book publishing, book marketing. And so I just feel so grateful. You meet someone for coffee and sometimes that can change your your whole life or like a couple yeah. of people's life. And that, that was definitely the experience with Brianna. And uh, yeah, I mean, what do you guys want to add anything about the Stripe relationship? Because I think it's special and we're all just so jazzed on it. The thing that makes me so happy about this collaboration with Stripe Press is the intent of press for Stripe kind of matches with our aspirations and intent in the world, you know? So most younger tech companies feel compelled to really declare what their values are and what their mission is. And I love kind of where Stripe Press came from for Stripe, right? They're a multi-billion dollar technology company, but more importantly, they want to help entrepreneurs be able to build their businesses. And uh, so instead of running around telling people what they're all about, they just decided, hey, let's manifest it in the world. And we'll do that by looking for ideas that not only we can get behind, but we think that other people can get behind and authors who align with them. And I think we really love working with them because they also have been able to self-filter the authors they want to work with because they're looking for authors who will line up with them. And I just love that intent behind how Strike Press and Brie kind of brought this to life. Yeah. Anything you want to throw in, Kev? You know, from working with different clients and partners, I think often a good partnership, especially when you're collaborating on a project, is this blend of soliciting feedback. So there's like collaboration aspect, like making decisions together, balanced with taking someone on a ride, you know, <laughs> balanced with like showing up and saying, hey, this we know how to do a certain mm. thing here and we're going to help propel that forward. Mm. And I feel like that balance with Stripe Press has been truly there. I've heard some stories about other authors feeling like they maybe they got to see a couple cover designs once, one round of feedback, and then it was like they saw a final cover, which was totally different, one year later. And it really was a black box. And I feel like um, we've gotten to both collaborate with um, our publisher as a partner and also benefit from sort of their knowledge and their just inertia moving forward, like making the project happen. And as first-time writers and just, like, hanging out in a Google Doc for a really long time, it's just us and, you know, the people we interview and the people that come and read it, but really did feel like it was on our shoulders to now have other people on the team. Back to what I said about having collaborators that I know are helping, like, push this forward and are invested are invested are invested quadruply invested uh getting like this message to people that might find it valuable um i yeah i'm so grateful yeah it's like the best version of building a team you know building with the main thesis of our book is build with not for build your community with other people not for them 
every single thing we recommend in the book is a way to approach building towards a purpose with another group of people. And I think in, you know, some very perfect, perfect <laughs> come together of everything, that is what it has felt like putting this book out into the world yep. with Stripe. So thank God, because that would have <laughs> been awkward, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, final thing. We're going to wrap this interview pretty soon. Hopes and dreams, guys. Like, you know, we have a few weeks before publishing date and then kind of continue. We're going to be doing this. We love this work. We're going to continue doing this work. But what are your hopes and dreams for the future, whether it's about the book or, you know, about our little team? Anything you want to share? I just want to go on the subway and see someone I don't know <laughs> reading this book. Like that's, I mean, to, be, to, to paint a clear picture. As far as what that represents, I think I have a tendency to think and kind of fixate on... Not the micro, but it's the scale of like what I can really imagine happening. And I don't think in like really high abstract strategic level all the time. And to me, to imagine our book and what it takes to build a community and the inspiration around community building for that to affect people that I do not know. To, you know, to be in the hands of other people that might be talking about it, to be able to witness that like firsthand. You know, that's just, I'm so grateful for where we are already. And just to imagine this stuff being helpful and valuable to other people who want to get their people together and seeing that, you know, you're on the F train, you're just reading it or whatever. That'd, mm. be, that'd be really great. Mm. Maybe we can just like include an ask. <laughs> like, take Kev- a pic of yourself. Kevin, if you had a magic wand, what would you ask for? One person on yeah. the train sitting across from me reading my book. Task rabbit that. Yeah. <laughs> you turn to page 137, you'll see a photo of me <laughs> in the same shirt. I wear it all the time. Oh my God. What, what about y'all? Do you want to go? Sure. Yeah. Having Bella and Kyla, my two daughters, hold this artifact. For their entire lives, I've worked on products and projects that they tend to need to poke at on the digital screen, right? And to have an artifact where they can hold that represent uh, three things. Uh, One is there are people out there who are doing things with other people. Mm. And so they don't need to do it alone. There are things that they're going to have to grind through, you know, and uh, will have to go through alone. But knowing that they are not alone and there are these beautiful people out there that also kind of look like them, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm Asian, they're Asians, you know, like I I want them to see that book. And that's one thing that represents. Second thing is uh, a big hope of mine is to be able to turn Netflix on. Right. (laughs) And there will be a series there. So imagine if Lola is an episode, right? I mean, I love food. We all love food. You know, I love chefs, right? But I don't need another chef show uh, about how they make the omelet. I want to see a Lola, a Nobu, a Mia, you know, like I want these people and their stories to be distributed out, you know, and that'll be a hope for me is like, you know, that more people will know them and there'll be this richness to their story beyond you know, voice and, you know, words, right? Because there's so much soul in them. And, um, yeah, my third aspiration is the three of us continue to find each other. And, you know, like Bailey introduced me to this, you know, kind of greeting phrase, uh, you know, like, I see you. Saubona. You know, and uh, I feel like the two of you see me and Mm. I certainly, you know, and I am seen in this version of myself that I'm really proud of where... 
I'm able to exercise the side of my soul, which is, you know, a bit more artistry, a bit more empathy. Mm. And uh, I just love that the book is a amalgamation of like the three things that we're all kind of stoked about. You know, it's a beautiful kind of combination of us. And I'd like my aspiration to have more us. Mm. All right. I love that. Bailey? I definitely am so amazed by the people in our book that I, I totally share your second, which is I hope someone, multiple people in our book, I hope they break out into like popular culture. Like more people know them. I want to see Heck from the Run Club Uptown mm-hmm. on the Today Show. I want more people to see what these selfless, generous people are doing for other people with the expectation of no financial reward, the expectation of no yeah. fame. And because it's meaningful, because it yeah. feels good, because yeah. it brings them joy and yeah. it brings the people who are a part of their communities joy. So I want to see someone in our book get famous. Aria. Like more than, uh, yeah, Aria. like way more than I I, want, I don't, I don't want it. You know, I like, I want to see one of them standing on the TED stage. Like I yeah. want to see one of them on the Today Show. Like I want to see, I want to see Aria up on the TED stage, like dribbling. Yeah. Around, yeah. Like, Aria, for, she runs a basketball team called downtown girls basketball for girls who are not good at basketball. Um, yeah. There's just so many people that are, I'm genuinely very, very inspired by. And I think other people would be too. So that's my number, number, number one. I think the only other thing I'll say is, as you put something out into the world, it starts coming back to you too. And we've met so many more and more and more people doing this work um, through the podcast, through Kevin doing a coaching session pretty much every day with a community leader, through writing this book. We see you when you follow us on Twitter. <laughs> we see you when you join our mailing list. Like, Send us an email, reach out. I think one thing I'm really excited about about putting this book into the world is to find out about people that like, based on my own research, I couldn't have found. Like for them to just come into our lives, to make new friends, to build a Voltron of like community passionate people. So just like, I wanna know you. I'm so proud of these people that let me into their lives, let us tell their story. And I also know there's so many more people like that out there. And I hope that, you know, the process of releasing this book into the world is like a little bit of a a whisper to the world like hey you know we want to know you and i hope that if you're listening to this or like i hope that people raise their hand and send us an email and walk up to us after we're if we're talking about the book and i'm just excited to see who's going to come into our lives you know i think i think that's one of the most exciting things about this whole thing is i know there's more people out there who connect to this stuff so if you want to get to know more about our book or order a copy you can just go to get together book GetTogetherBook.com. That's right. Easy. Our podcast is called Get Together. Our book is called Get Together, (laughs) How to Build a Community with Your People. You can also just go to Amazon and search that title or search any of our names. Grab a copy. Leave us a review. Please do it. All right. I have a very crazy question. It's not that crazy. Oh, fire. It's going to be a very quick one. You can only answer in a few words. If you were to write your second book... (laughs) What would this book be about? First answer goes to Bailey. Oh, my Lord. Answer me in three, two, one. The WNBA. (laughs) Great. Kai, three, two, one. Photography of people. (laughs) Rad. And then Kevin. Three, two, one. Guy Fieri. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> you no, win. You always win D. with these questions. <laughs> All right. All right. He did ask the question. Okay. I know, winner. All uh, right. Okay. Uh, that's that's <laughs> it for this episode. Uh, shout out to Listening Party at Canal yes. Street Market for having us. And apart from that, please you know check out our book, GetTogetherBook.com. Yeah. Uh, the only final thing I'll say is like the way that we hear you grow a podcast <laughs> and a book is literally reviews. Yeah. Like reviewing on Amazon Review, is review. the secret. It really helps. And also reviewing the podcast. You just like click a rating on the podcast store. Yes. It makes a very big difference. So if you have stamina, we'd love if you do that. If do not, it. we still appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode of Get Together is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Thanks.